So two weeks ago we were together. We're gonna, we left off, of course, um, at time with troubling news that had spread very quickly about a shocking sin that can't be concealed in the early, or we've called it in this study of Acts, the first church. If your Bible's not handy, would you reach for one in the chair rack near you or some way open the Bible to Acts chapter 5? We're going to pick up right where we left off. But this shocking sin and the consequence of that sin took people's breath away. I think it did for us the same when we read it again. Even if you've read it before, the sin of uh, a married couple, Ananias and Sapphira, both died for their deceit. Uh, the impact was, as you would imagine, if you had been in the first church, it was swift and deeply felt. In fact, verse 11 of chapter 5 gives you a little sense that people, my paraphrase of the Greek here, they were freaked out. Okay, Great fear seized the whole church. So it would be like right now, some fearful development happens and every one of us in this place goes, <gasps> they did that not once but twice. Remember the husband died and then a few hours later the wife as well. <gasps> And in between, probably people are saying, what's going on here? That's, you can't ignore that. You can't call that a little disturbance, a little noise. Somebody's cell phone went off. No, it's big. And it left everybody very impacted. Um, I believe it underscores the severity of God's stated hatred for deception. W would you write that down? God's not good with lies. Okay? This will just be, this is a sidebar. We're going to get into it now. But the sidebar is this. Um, two times out of seven, a list of seven things that God hates, twice, two of the things that he hates is lying. You can check Proverbs chapter 6. You'll find your way there. Uh, do it on your own. It'll be worth the search. Verses 17 and 19. You'll see it right there. So their story, Ananias and Sapphira's story, left plenty of people uh, pondering the implications of that in their life then. And I think every time I read it, and hopefully when we read it two weeks ago, it had the same impact in your life. Um. So enough. I, I do want to tell you there's a king that I want you to visit this week. His story is told in um, lots of uh, Samuel, for example, 2 Samuel. His name's King David. He's known as a man after God's own heart. Uh, but if you were to ask King David um, how it felt to live a lie, you would hear some shocking words, I'm convinced. Though he stood out in history, and he's known in the Old Testament and the New Testament as a man after God's own heart, that's a pretty cool thing to have said about you. But there was this chapter of his life where he fumbled badly. He committed adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And then to cover it up, hoping he didn't get caught, he murdered 
the husband of the woman he had an adulterous relationship with. That's another commandment. It's messy and it's dark. And it's one of those things, if you're writing the Bible to impress people, you would not include that story. 2 Samuel 11. You just wouldn't. But here's a God that's committed to the truth and revealed it all. And on top of everything I just said, when you ask King David what it felt like to get away with it, he would say, well, there's two people that knew about it. God, his spirit, and my soul. There was no way of hiding. So how did you do during that time of concealment? King David, he will tell you in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Just look those up. I've given you some assignments to do. This will keep your quiet time lively this week. Um, but you'll read firsthand, not somebody writing about the king like a reporter. It's him saying, I, I, my life, my vitality was, one translation said, sucked out of me. It's the difference between skipping through life, having a good time. Hey, let's all kumbaya. And I, I just feel like my, the wind was taken out of me. I'm going to give you my label for that, for lying and covering it up. It's called dysfunction by design. I believe the Holy Spirit, his mission when we mess up and cover up is to make me and you dysfunctional by design. So enough said about that. Back to chapter 5 of Acts. Given the potentially chilling effect of what we read in verse 11, you've got to... I'll just point it out, and then we'll start reading here. Um, see if you don't sense a sudden, like, mood change. You go from, wow, that's, a, that's heavy, great fear. Look at the very next verse and what follows for a very dramatic mood change. The, the apostles performed many signs, verse 13 of chapter 5. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all of the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, his porch. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, look at verse 14, picks up. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought their sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as, the, as he passed by. They just want to be near the one God is using to touch so many lives. And he's only one of 12 apostles doing this. Verse, eight, verse 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And get this, all of them were healed. You know what I feel when I read those, what, five verses? I feel like um, there was a, prayer meeting some days before and if you turn back to chapter 4 the apostles Peter and John were just released from prison and they went straight from the trial with the Sanhedrin to a gathered prayer meeting and when they entered into the prayer meeting 
I flipped back a page to chapter uh, 4. Look at verse 29 if you just want to flip the page. Now, this is the middle of the prayer meeting. Now, Lord, consider their threats because they were told, hush up. That better be the last of it that we hear from you about this Jesus. Peter, John, do you get it? So they come into this prayer meeting. They tell them what, what had happened in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your words with great boldness. Look at that. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And that's the time when the place, when they said their amen at the end of that prayer, the place rocked. It shook. Well, here we are, a page later, maybe a few days. We're not sure how many later. They're living in the answered prayer that they prayed back in chapter 4, um, experiencing abundant answers to their prayers. We just read many miracles were taking place. That's a big deal. Even if you're a casual observer, you're saying things like something's going on there. I don't really, I'm not plugged into it yet, but this is powerful. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if you, you see people getting healed, lots of people getting healed. It says that there were many crowds gathering, verses 14 and 15. Many sick people healed. And then on top of that, demonized people are being delivered from darkness. I just, I read again and again um, statements like verse 16. It's just so cool. They, they, they bring their sick. They bring those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them left changed. Isn't that cool? I, I'll just confess to you, one of my wishes, wish I had a, I don't mean magic in the dark magic. I mean in the, in the Holy Spirit like supernatural ability. I, if I had one wish, it would be the wish to heal people. I'd do it secretly. I'm not sure how I'd pull it off. But uh, I would just use that wand and, and wave it with Holy Spirit power. And I would see people walk that have never walked. Yeah, I just, I would. It would matter a lot to me. And I wouldn't care... Uh, I, I would, in fact, I'd work hard to not be noticed. Don't want to be noticed. But I want to see that person walk. I know they're going to walk in heaven someday, right? But I would, anyway, sidebar, it's not in my notes, but um, it's good. Um, don't, did you notice verse 13? It kind of stands out there awkward. Uh, no one else dared join them. Uh, not a you don't have to work hard to wonder why. Um, it says that they were cautious. Cautious about what? Or whom? Verse 17 picks up on the obvious answer. So let's read on. Then the high priests, the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, thus the Sanhedrin, were filled with jealousy. So you know that expression, you know, can anybody say why that person's not smiling? Everybody else is going crazy. It's a touchdown. Uh, you won the Super Bowl. Something big happened. 
Why is that one person sad? Well, we're told in verse 17, um, this group was that person, and they were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles (laughs) and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, the angel said. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. So good. At daybreak, they entered the temple court, as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. So these cats walk in, and they go in to conduct business in the temple, not knowing what they're going to find. And we'll, I won't break the secret to you, but let's read on. Arriving, verse 22, at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported. We've, I love verse 23. We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss. Everybody right now, just scratch your head just for a sec, okay? That's what it looks like. They're scratching their head wondering what this might be all about. In fact, my translation says where this might lead to. And someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles, though they went gently with them. They did not use force because they feared the people (laughs) would stone them. Imagine you're that guy. You're wearing the temple badge, and there's no doubt in your mind you've been given a job that stinks. And you probably are in the camp of the crowd that's going, Let them heal. Let them cast out demons. Let them show us about the life, as the angel said. But they got a job to do. And 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 these they do the job, but they do it gently because they're they're afraid a rock's gonna hit them on the way, right? So the apostles went and brought in uh, the apostles were brought in and made an Uh, an appearance before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders to, to not teach in this name, he said. Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're determined to make us guilty for this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. (laughs) Let's just say that didn't land well. (laughs) Verse 31, God exalted him, Peter continues, to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, The chief priest, the Sanhedrin, heard this. They were furious and wanted to put him to death. 
world. Would you write this down? When powers that be are threatened, beware. So what's going on here. I need a drink. That sounded really bad in church, didn't it? I need some water. All right. This theme is reminiscent of the one that we left a few weeks ago when Peter and John, um, they had been arrested for unauthorized healing. Imagine that charge. What, what are you on? What are you, what, what's the rap against you? Unauthorized healing of a lame man, a beggar at that, in Jesus' name. And here they are again. Doing it again. So what had they done this time? You can't make this stuff up. I, I read verse 16 again already. Uh, there's no hiding the evidence of their heinous crime is clear. They had done the despicable thing. They had actually healed sick people again. Oh no, they freed others from satanic suffering. Oh, what are we going to do? See how stupid I sound? Uh, hopefully, hopefully you do. You're going... That is satire at a new level, Pastor, and it's meant to be. It's meant to be you kidding me moment. It hardly needs to be said they were threatened to the core by the impact of these apostles and their obvious success. They actually had a wand. They didn't just heal sick people and lame people. It cast demons out of people's souls. Sent them packing. Mm. And we're told what got under their skin and couldn't be ignored by the guys in charge. They were filled, verse 17, with jealousy. Blah. So what did they do? Let's read just highlight a couple of things. First of all, they put them in a public jail. Did you catch that when we read in verse 18? I think there's two reasons probably. They wanted to shame them. You know, you could put them in a dungeon jail. No one would see them but the jailer maybe. But they put them in a public jail to shame them and probably to, to send a message. Hey, y'all, you're going here too. You're going to get in the hole too if you, if you, if you cross certain lines. The message was clear. That's what they were trying to do. Now, I'm going to use a word that's in, um, until you hear it through, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to think of it as the right word, okay? But not to miss an opportunity, there's the word. Would you write that down, the word opportunity? An angel is dispatched <laughs> to pull off a jailbreak, okay? So, so. Instead of fleeing for their lives, 
So if you've been busted and you didn't deserve it, you want to hightail out of town, right? I mean, that's, let's go, let's roll. But instead of fleeing for their lives, they're told by this angel, you're to go to the temple and you're to be first in line when it opens in the morning. Can you imagine that? That's exactly what they're told. So much for get out while you've got a chance, right? Not here. This scene mirrors something that the Apostle Paul, who spent a lot of time in prison. In fact, there's a series of, of, of uh, epistles called prison epistles. And he wrote them from prison. Okay? So the Apostle Paul says this in Colossians chapter 4. So I want you to hear these words, and maybe they'll, they'll even make more sense to the scene that we're taking in here today. Um, he says this, Pray for us that God may open a door for our message. Okay? What door? A prison door. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So he's in jail writing this. And then he, he adds this, pray that I may actually boldly communicate as I should. Be strong. Be courageous. Have a voice that's heard for Jesus Christ. It may not play out well, but who cares? He goes on in Colossians 4, verse 5. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. Let your speech be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, that you may know how you should respond to each person. Colossians chapter 4. Now, let me stop and pick up on my word opportunity. I want you to think of your life right now. I want you to think of difficulty, prison-like stuff. You didn't do anything wrong, but you got in trouble. When's the last time that happened to you? And have you come to the place of seeing that as an opportunity? It's important. Uh, and if you do, if you have, do you make the most of opportunities like that? Uh, the angels sure did, as did the apostles. C can you imagine, can you imagine if we started seeing life through that lens? This is a bummer. This is a bad situation. I don't, I can sit here and fuss and gripe and complain and murmur. It's my favorite word. My dad used to say, quit murmuring. He's talking to my brother and sister, you know, kind of stuff. But, um, you know, this, this, imagine not taking that approach, but saying, you know what, Holy Spirit, I don't see how this is going to bring glory to you and good to me, but I believe that bias. I hold that truth to be real. Um, you don't have to imagine those the next morning. The neckties show up, and 
um, they sit down to conduct a hearing because they knew that some troublemakers were jailed the night before, verse 21. So I want you to let your mind imagine, let it go wild a little bit with what happens next in this story that we're looking at. The temple guards arrive at the jail and they get to get the prisoner and they discover that they're gone. But verse 23 is so worth reading again. Then someone came and said, do you see the quotation there before the word look? Look, the men you put in jail. Um, no, verse 23, I'm sorry. We found the jail securely locked with the guard standing at the door. See, you got to slip into this scene. And so we open the door <laughs> and they're gone. You got to be kidding. It's like one of these moments that stands still. And, 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 Verse 25, they never imagined they would hear. We're not told who this person was, but they're an announcement. Someone came and said, look, the men, they're over there. They're, they were in jail. They're not anymore. And they're, they're doing incredible things. And we've already covered why they, they brought them gently, not by force, as we're told in verse 26, because they were afraid of being stoned. Um. There is a conflict about to be understood here that isn't the first time it appears. So if you turn the Bible page back just to chapter 4, I want you to hear, fresh ears, a gag order. Okay? So verse 18 says, verse 18 of chapter 4, when this all happened before, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all, in the name of Jesus. We called that a gag order. When that was given, they were expected to hush. But verse 19 says, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you? They're looking at the authorities. To listen to you or to listen to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Um, one more verse. Um, after further threats, they let them go. They decided not to punish them because all the people were praising God and they thought, ah, that's not smart. Uh, we're going to walk right into a hornet's nest. Everybody favors them. Yeah, we've got the gavel. We've got the power. Uh, the authority, but we don't have the power. This is going to blow up. Uh, <clears throat> I want you to see something if you turn the page. So obviously they break, they've broken the gag order, and they're rolling right along. But I don't want you to miss a, um, call it a, um, we didn't do it, yes you did moment in the narrative we just read. Look at verse 28. These are the high priest speaking. We gave you strict orders not to teach. you got to listen to this now. In this name. Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Okay? Now drop down to verse 30, just two verses later, okay? 
The God of our ancestors, this is Peter's response, we must obey God rather than human beings. And the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. So, these guys are worried that they're about to be blamed for the death. Notice, they, ne- they don't mention even his name here. They call this man and this name. The, Jesus' name is not in the original here. So they're not even going to go there. But they're fearful that they're going to be blamed for his death. Now you're, now you're set and ready. Peter's response is saying, you guys are afraid that you're going to be blamed for the death of Jesus because you killed Jesus. That's what he's saying in verse 30. There's a reason to be afraid. Because you did it. And he, and he lays on the leather and says, don't, don't try to hide this thing. And let's not forget, he repeats almost the same words of chapter 4, verse 29. We will not stop. We must obey God rather than human beings. Okay, I want to bring something into focus quickly here near the end. I want to ask you a question. Uh, Have you found yourself in a situation where two authorities in your life are in conflict? Right? These guys, that's exactly where they're at. The one authority, God. The other authority, the high priest, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these, I call them neckties. I mean no respect. (laughs) That that wasn't a mistake. Yeah. I mean no respect. So they got two authorities. Maybe, so what do you do when two legitimate authorities collide and you're in the middle? I had a couple of authorities in mind. Your spouse and God. You have a heart for Jesus. Your spouse says, I'm sick of church. We're not going. Your employer and God. You love Jesus Christ. You've got a little something on your desk that says, essentially, I love Jesus Christ. And the boss says, not here, you don't. I had somebody tell me their answer to my question. They said, well, I'm not a Christian at work. Okay? How's that working for you, bro? I'd be twisted like a pretzel if that was the case. I can, I can love Jesus here, by the way, in my job. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, let's, get, let's get more personal. Your parent or God. Same question. Let's widen it. The government and God. You're in the middle. You're a conscientious Christian and your government is advocating something other than that. Folks, I'm not talking about mass now. It is way more serious than mass. Okay? Uh, If pressed by the government, here's how I would word it. 
if pressed by the government to cease and desist speaking about or preaching or teaching biblical truth in Jesus' name, what are you going to do? You say, well, pastor, I've heard that kind of arrangement, you know, and that day may come. Y'all, check C, letter C, dash four. In Canada, it became law in January. There are thousands of pastors saying, answering the question in front of us today. What are you going to do? I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Do you realize you could get fined? Yes, I do. Do you realize you can go to prison? Yes, I do. What are you going to do? The apostles told their answer. Not once, but twice. Back in chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. We read that already. And right here in verse 29. They didn't modify. They didn't soften the truth in any respect. And you're hearing from a pastor that won't do that. Will, will, will not do that as well. I will line up right with the apostles. I'm glad you will. I We need to. Um, these apostles had no plan to back off. Uh, I just want to finish this section because it's so cool. And it, the reaction of the religious rulers, it, it shouldn't surprise us. Verse 33. Go ahead and answer your phone. Let's get that over with. Okay, there we go. Uh, when they heard this, when they heard this, they were furious, right? Look how the verse ends. They wanted to put them to death. Infuriated with a pinch of rage is what we're reading about here. And only this time, this time, one of their venerated leaders, a rabbi named Gamaliel, stood up. Said, hey guys, he's from within the ranks of the Sanhedrin. And Gamaliel stands up and speaks uh, when the room fell to a hush after ordering the apostles out of the room, verse uh, 34. He orders them out of the room. See if you don't hear a voice of reason from Gamaliel. He addresses the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. What is that? To kill them. He just said so. They wanted to put them to death. So, hey, fellas, bros, <laughs> think it through some more. That's what he's saying. Some time ago, Theodos, which was a, well, him along with um, a second individual, um, Judas of Galilee. Um, these are guys we know very little about for reasons that you're going to hear right now. Okay, so, so Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody. About 400 men followed him. He was killed by, uh, and all of his followers dispersed, and it came to nothing. Okay? Uh, history has no more to say. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He, too, was killed, and all of his followers scattered. So neither of them, there's not a story to tell for obvious reasons. Therefore, in the present case, Gamaliel continues to hold the mic and says, I advise you, leave these guys alone. Let them go. 
For what? This is Solomon wisdom coming out here. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. If it is from God, ready for this? Some of the best words in the Bible. You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against who? God. Don't pick that fight. That's what Gamaliel is going, that's, bro, that's not cool, that's not smart. His speech persuaded them. Now quit reading, quit reading. Um, he's, he's a man speaking words of uh, tolerance, sanity. Step off, step back. Get a hold of yourself. Don't get spooled up in group think. Just take a breath. You're saying, you too, Pastor. <laughs> uh, Gamaliel's wisdom here reminds me of the favorite thing Debbie and I love to do, and which is sort of, sort of this, 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 this homing star that's pulling us in. We love to camp camp for a long time and the favorite part of camping is campfires love it. the only downside is you smell bad after it but it's you know shower takes care of that but s'mores just sitting there staring at a fire fire brings out all kinds of conversations it's just i don't know it's just so associated with with cool in fact yesterday we went to home depot and bought a um, fire pit for our backyard, because camping's out of the question right now, but we can do it in our backyard, right? So we got this fire pit out in the back, and 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 I made it, I built it, you know, and uh, so, you know, and, and and Debbie lit the first fire. It was cool, it's cool, and it took, and it, it it was going good. She didn't have the energy to chop the wood, but maybe next week. But anyway, she's she's building this fire, and uh, we're we're just sitting there going, this is so good, smell it, it's just so good, and everything else. And then we're struck by this reality. That fire is going to go out unless you feed it. Right? It will. And by the way, when we left, I covered it. It came with a screen on top, so I put the, this uh, cover on there, a metal, metal screen. It's not big. And uh, next morning, I, it's out. What happened overnight? Well, as far as I know, Debbie never got up and went out and added wood to it. And I for sure didn't. There was nothing, no fuel added. That's Gamaliel talk. But here's, here's the connection I want you to hear. Um, if, if what is happening, Gamaliel is saying, is man-made, it will eventually flame out. But if it's from God, who has, you ready for this, an unlimited supply of wood, you with me? It'll keep burning. It will never go out. And isn't that what Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to put the fire out. Amen? We're part of that, people. We are an extension of this scene. 
the Holy Spirit has the wood. Isn't that great? He's got the wood, and, and he's going to keep stoking the fire. And he continues to do that, and he will continue to do that until he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to let this fire get carried away. I'm going to take my people home, and then I'm going to smoke the whole place. Right? So my analogy got a little gummy at the end there, but uh, all right. I'm having fun today. Thank you for... Um, so I want you to hear me say the Holy Spirit is an inexhaustible supply of wood to keep the Grace Point fire going, to keep you and your life going. If you try to be the supply of wood, you're going to, it'll go out. But if you walk with the Spirit, this series is in step with the Spirit. If you keep in step with the Spirit, it, the fire keeps going. You know that, don't you? Let's just keep that in our hearts. So, so the Sanhedrin showed some rare sensibility, right? Let me finish this passage, and we're going to sing a song or so, and we'll be done. Sanhedrin showed some rare sensibility and, and let the apostles go, right? Unfortunately, you have to read verse 40. His speech persuaded them, Gamaliel's, and they called the apostles in and let them go free. No, had them flogged. The Greek word there is translated skinned. I sometimes thought of flogging as a beating. Uh, it can be, and it can include that kind of thing. But it's almost certain that it drew blood and left scars. In other words, this wasn't a slap, which would have been ridiculously over the line anyway. This was, we're going we're gonna to make you guys remember this. You disobeyed. Remember that crime you committed in healing that guy? Yeah. You don't remember that. Um, and then they order him again. Again, this is now about the third time they're told, stop speaking about Jesus. It's all in verse 40. So they left the chamber and they ran for their lives, right? Now if you read verse 41, think again. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. Huh? Some of you close your Bibles too soon. Rejoicing? Because they had been counted worthy of a whipping and disgrace for Jesus' name. I think this is a prediction. I've, I've gotten in the skin of the apostles. Some would say too much, but I have. I've really said, why? I fall short of that. I want to hire John to go to court for me, and let's just take a pound back. And these guys are, these guys are rejoicing. What did they have that I sometimes, most of the time, don't have? What's my problem? I think I found the answer. 
in Mark chapter 13. Don't turn there, just listen to these. I'm going to share these words that for them were fresh. They had heard Jesus say this a matter of months earlier, just before he went to the cross. He said this, uh, Mark 13, verses 9 to 11. Listen, watch out, Jesus said to this group. Watch out, you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my people, my followers. But this will be your, you ready for it? That's why I had you write it down before. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So get in trouble at work. Have HR come down on you and tell them why you're not about to take down that sign. I'm not telling you to lose your job, but maybe so. I'm still quoting. For the good news must first be preached to all nations, Jesus said. But when you are arrested and stand trial, and some pastors already in Canada are facing that, don't worry in advance about what you will say. Just say what God tells you at the time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit will be saying it all. Ha! Ah. So by now, they must have felt, they, they're rejoicing, and they, they must have felt a huge amount of relief and left town quietly, right? Last surprise, verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts. <laughs> in the temple courts, the very place right under the nose of the Sanhedrin. And from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. When the Holy Spirit brings the wood, let the fire burn. Let it burn. And the fire continued to burn for them and still burns today. I really need to share these final words. Um. They're words that connected me deeper in this passage, I think, than I would have been on my own. Uh, they're, they're, they're words that were penned by Chuck Swindoll, and, um, and I, and I want to just share them, and I think they'll work for you too. It's easy to think of these first Christians as larger than life, even superhuman. You ever felt that way? I do. I sometimes think, Paul, man, what a stud. I'm such a wimp. You know? Um, especially when we consider the disadvantages that they face compared to our circumstances in the United States today. They had no building in which to meet. They had no governmental protection. In fact, their governments very much wanted them dead. They had no guarantee of privacy. Not once in this sermon, and I knew we were going to be on the edge, have I been concerned that armed people, the PC police or whoever, would roll in here and grab me and mug me and muzzle me and drag me out. You say, wow, you're brave. Not really. I mean, when's the last time that happened in this country? 
They had no guarantee of privacy, no freedom of speech, no assurance of due process or fair hearings. They had little in the way of tangible resources. He's not done. No political power, no impressive education, not even a completed Bible. The New Testament as of this time had not even been written. Whoa. They had so much more, Swindoll concludes, working against them than we do today. Yet they literally changed the world. Still, let's not forget that they were ordinary men and women not much different from us. These first Christians, this first church, would not have been equal to the challenge that they faced in their day were it not for the Holy Spirit. I've just given you their secret. They conquered because they relied upon the same power that God has given us today. Amen? Let's bow our heads and thank the Lord. Jesus, you've been so good to us. You're the one that we correctly call upon, but not just in times of trouble, in our desire to walk well, in our desire to um, see hardship as opportunity. Uh, every person here has such a glorious story, a big story, of how you want to provide the wood to keep their fire burning bright. And Lord, we, um, we, we know that that comes about by being close to your heart. And that comes about by knowing you personally. So you hear me online, you're still with us, I know, and you in the house, would you please take this moment to either affirm your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you belong to him, that you've bowed the knee and surrendered to him. Or if you can't do that honestly, would you make this that moment you do it? You say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in my heart. Come into my life. Begin a work in me that I get to talk about. And... Um, and even if I don't have answers, I don't, I fumble through an answer. I know it's real. And they do too. Draw me close to your heart, Lord Jesus. Help me take next steps and next steps knowing that you provide the wood to keep my fire burning. And I ask this in Jesus' name.